Bristol is a place that, that's where I spun with the small tires. And after I lost the race because of that, I think it was, it might've been quarterfinals or semifinals. And I had the tree. I was double on the tree. And just, I said, after that, I said, this, I'm not doing this anymore. We just, we just got to do it. The car was already mini tub. So it was like, I didn't feel like I was really cutting it up. You know, like my blue firebird, it could really still be running stock if I wanted to. And I really didn't want to cut it up. So let's, I just said, well, let's, let's just do it. We're going all out. You know, I'm not, I can't lose a race like that again. So it's time for class racing today, the podcast for the NHRA class racing fan. Welcome back to Class Racing Today, classracingtoday.com. Email classracingtoday at gmail.com. This episode, once again, brought to you by Tim Stickles, Gutters by Design. Thanks, Tim, for your support for Class Racing Today. This is episode 39, gentlemen. Brian, once again, it's raining in South Dakota. Bobby's basking in the sun on the East Coast. (laughs) How are you today, Brian? We're doing good. It's not raining that much like the big storm missed us so it is what it is <laughs> i was uh i think it's just uh symbolic of the another drag strip gone um the death of a mm-hmm. another drag strip maybe that's how we mm-hmm. should say it Oahe speedway in pierce south dakota Boo. is no more we need some sad violin music <laughs> yeah i don't play a violin <laughs> It is uh it is sad. Uh that was I'm trying to think, I think that was probably the second racetrack I went to. Yeah, it's three hours from my house. Um there's always a little animosity about the surface, you know, and everybody wants to complain about things and there's always some place better to go, but now it's an option that's gone, so that's kinda sad. Um think about that when you're complaining about everything about your local track, it could not be there and you'd have to drive an extra three hours, so um, between that and then there's actually another track about the same distance in Iowa that is on the verge of being no more too. So I think as racers, we need to support the tracks and be more friendly to the people trying to do it maybe. Hmm. And on that sad note, how's it going, Bobby? <laughs> All right. Uh, same as always, Jersey. Actually, today we uh, it's not raining. We had a couple a uh, couple scares. They said the uh, nor'eastern. We got the warnings on our phones and everything, which makes me nervous because we have a lot of huge dead trees surrounding our house. So getting ready to duck and cover. Are you like dressed but, up uh, for Halloween? With that? Halloween dead trees or what? Yeah, sure. Um, and then and then you got me worried about Echo Dragway, which I like. You know, is always kind of dealing with its its own issues but rumor has it 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 should be remaining a racetrack at least for next season anyway so we had a little bit of good news here because that track's only about 45 minutes from my current residence and we have a division one event there and a bunch of stock super stock combo races there for uh, our local association so if that track were to close i would be heartbroken say the least Yeah, the list is getting long of uh, of expiring tracks. And I guess that's why we do this, right? We're trying to bring education and pump a little life back into 
the sport. So is it is it just hard to run a track? Is there is there less interest in it? Um, I mean, do they just wear down and it's too expensive to try to replace the the strip? What is the cause of these places shutting down? Well, I know. So the problem with pier, from what the information I've got, the location wasn't perfect, right? So it's next to the divider between eastern and western South Dakota. Um, kind of in the middle of nowhere. There wasn't a lot of population there. It was probably 15 miles north of the closest town. But, like, this, the setting was really cool. Like, it lo- overlooked the Missouri River. Like, it was beautiful. Um, there was power at almost every spot. It had full hookups on the whole front row. Um, a construction guy built it. And I think he ran into some money problems. So, when he pulled out... Like in a racers, a bunch of racers got together. Like they would take, like one guy would buy all the track prep stuff. Somebody else would buy all the trophies. Mm-hmm. And they ran that way for quite a while. Um, and then apparently, from what I understand, is he basically wanted to sell it. There was a couple investors. There was issues over what comes with what and what it's worth. It, it needed a new surface. The, the worst part about it is when they, when they put the surface down, there was something a little weird. Um, and it just didn't have a lot of bite. Um, my only downfall with that track is it got really hot. Western, well, technically central South Dakota in the summer when the sun is beating mm-hmm. down, it was a really hot place to go. But the service had a few little issues just getting things to hook. Um, we ran our stock super stock races there. And people would always complain about how crappy the track surface was and this and that. And they were actually trying to re-put a new surface on it. Um the problem with that part of our state is that's where 90% of our recreational money probably comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they were, there was, they were working on a lease to take it over and they offered $45,000 a year to lease the track from the new owner. And he said he can make a hundred thousand dollars just off of camping off of the front row alone. Oh, and the sad thing is I wish they would have, like maybe as a racers association, they should have utilized those camping spots when it wasn't a racetrack. You know, if you're going to race every other weekend, rent the spots out. I mean, seven days a week, that thing will fill up. It's crazy the amount of campers and people that come in there for fishing and recreation. That could have generated a lot of money to put in and keep it going. But once again, a great idea I've had too late. You see more money. Bobby, is that kind of the Bobby? Is that kind of the the same sentiment up there too? No, I don't know. I don't camp. The only camping <laughs> I've ever done is at a racetrack or at a NFL football game for the day. So I'm not like I don't get in the motorhome and go fishing or anything like that. I'm I'm not really I guess that outdoorsy or fun <laughs> for that matter. Let's see if our <laughs> see if our guest is is a kid. Hey, Mr. Guest, are you a camper? Do you like hanging outdoors in the in the great outdoors? I've, I've done a little camping. I'm not a really a big fisherman or a hunter, but uh, I do a little fishing from here from time to time. See, I've never even hunted in my life. I've I've fired like like uh, guns at the range before, you know, maybe once or twice. But well, sure, you're never better than really Alec quite Baldwin, understood then. the hunting thing. Bobby can't even hunt the stripe. <laughs> and oh my goodness come on bobby i was I, mean, tra- like, I, I have like one little wall back here i just couldn't imagine hanging on 
freaking deer's head on it. Like, this place is too small. So. I was trying to come up with like five random questions to ask every guest. And I literally had, what is your favorite pastime not racing? And you just took it like you're like, do you camp? Do you hunt? Do you fish? <laughs> oh, there we go. There goes two of them. <laughs> For anybody who's not aware, we have a very famous superstar of a guest today. We try to get superstars on, you know, and they're, and they're hard to come by. But we've had a few in the last few weeks. But this guy, you know, he just wins all the time. We asked him if he got bored of it, but he he says he hasn't gotten bored of it yet. Mr. Jimmy Hidalgo, straight out of Donaldsonville, Louisiana. Jimmy, my first question for you is, and then Brian can ask you about fishing and hunting, your nicknames. You got Cooter Hidalgo, you got the country puppy, and then while you're at it, your father's the country dog. Start explaining. How'd you get all these? Okay. Well, I'm going to start with, with Cooter. Um, really not a great story. I wish there was a better story because people ask me sometimes, you know, and you, you want to have a good story. But um, my grandmother uh, just pinned it on me when I was very young, probably a baby. I used to go to her house. She lived next door when I was growing up. And uh, she just used to call me her little cooter. So I don't know, know what, that, what that was about. Maybe Dukes of Hazard reference in there somehow. Maybe I was because I, I was playing in the dirt a lot as a kid. So maybe from being dirty. Cooter on Duke's Hazard was always dirty. I also heard a little bit of that in there. We also have another racer, Division Two, uh, Cooter Williamson. So this name, this nickname, is not unique to just you, pal. There's other. We yeah, got, we got, we have more of them. So we'll have to get him on one day and get his story. So how about the country dog and country puppy? Okay, well it starts with the country dog. And uh, years ago. Uh, my dad had his 69 Camaro and he was running that, I think he was in Baton Rouge and, um, something about a car he had and he was, he had swapped a motor in it and he ran, he was running at the track and, uh, I, I don't know if he didn't even predict what it would run and he left the start line and Russ, Russ flew out the exhaust and just dirt falling out the back of the car and it ran, it ran pretty well. And then, uh, one of the guys at the track said, uh, man, that thing ain't that but an old country dog. And it just it just kind of stuck on it. So he uh, he put the name on the side of the car and stuck with that sense. And then from there, uh, when I started, I was about to start racing junior dragster. And just I figured since he was the country dog at that time, I was the, the country puppy. So I just came up with that on my own. All right. Interesting. Okay. I remember meeting your dad for the first time. I actually, I had to race him down in Gainesville about five or six years ago. And when I went up to him to, to uh, flip the coin, I was like, Hey, I'm Bobby Fazio. Nice to meet you. And he said, he didn't say I'm Jimmy Hidalgo senior. He just said, I'm the country dog. <laughs> Heads or tails. <laughs> like, <clears throat> and the, then he beat me. Did the intimidation must have worked then? Yeah. I was frightened. He didn't even have a name. Bobby, you got you to think about this the other way, though. Next time you go to the race and they're there, just turn on who let the dogs out when you go by their pit. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that in my stalker up until last year. I had the radio in it with the speakers and everything, and power windows could have rolled them down. And another uh, brief story I got is uh, I finally got him upgraded to an iPhone last year, and his uh, ringtone is the dog barking. <laughs> suiting fitting very yeah. good 
speaking of like power windows and uh and radios like i had does your you have a 2004 gto and stock eliminator and you have a what a 99 firebird and super stock i mean both those cars probably have power windows and or radios in them what do you got anything good in there yep power windows in both that's it that's it does it ever worry you like i'm always afraid like that that power window is going to let me down when i'm trying to roll into the water box and it's like not going to go up have you ever had an issue like that or or not can you calm my fears um it it, it does occur to me I, I did i've had an issue once the firebirds generally had to, had more issues with the power window motors um but generally when i i always those you could kind of tell when they start getting weak so i just always made sure if i if i thought something was going wrong i i made sure to put a new one <laughs> replace that shit immediately yes <laughs> so let's get into these cars here um i guess it's there's a lot of backstory with what you do for a living and then how you got these cars so why don't you tell us first what you do for a living and then how it led into these cars that you race okay well um we have a used car lot and we buy cars wreck cars from the insurance auctions and we repair them fix them and we do we warranty everything we sell, and um, I, I do a lot of the repair work, but I do do some of the office work too. Um, I'm the IT guy, I guess you could say. My dad's not too savvy with with computers and stuff, so I gotta make sure all of that's running and some of the paperwork and stuff. But uh, that's that's kind of I mean, my dad's been racing for years, so when I uh, when I got old enough to race juniors, obviously that was just a natural thing for me, and because I've always been around the racetrack, and um, you know, when it was time to build a car, you know, I mean, being the business where we're in, buying cars from the auction, that was just you know the natural option to to do to get a, obtain a car to make a race car out of. So you guys okay. built you guys built both cars yourself there in house. Yeah. One, uh, the fiber, like I said, some of the work had already been done on it and we, uh, we basically completed it. It had like a roll bar in it. And at the time it had mini tubs and, uh, mm -hmm. and 10 and a half inch tires, which now we tubbed it. We put, uh, 13 and a half inch tires on it and finished the roll cage. I rewired everything, plumbed the fuel, pretty much, you know, redid the suspension shocks and all brakes. That's Which car did you have first? Um, the first car, my dad's Corvette, we debuted it in 2011, and the GTO would have been next in 2013. And but also, I do still have the blue Firebird. It used to have flames on it, but I, I redid it all blue, and then I wrapped it into a similar fashion of the black car. But uh, it, it doesn't see the track anymore. I usually bracket race it. And I've been having that car since 2006. All right. So let's talk about the GTO. It's a 2004 GTO and you run it in e-stock automatic, correct? Correct. What's the combination advertised and NHRA rated for that car? Um, the advertised is three, 350 and the correct, the NHRA rating is 340. Oh, so D-rated. That's generous. Okay. 
So let's get into the, the nuts and bolts of the GTO. So you guys got it from the used uh, car dealings that you do. And you built the car yourself, as you said. Um, as far as engine, you know, drivetrain and all that, uh, who builds who builds your motors? Uh, Don Palatino has been doing a lot of our machine work and stuff. And, uh, I mean, my dad, he does a lot of the work, assembly work and stuff himself. Um, Joey Wilkes has done an engine for us for, for that one. And, uh, you know, we kind of, we kind of maintain them ourselves, you know, like, like my dad will tear, take the motor out. If it's time to rebuild it, tear it down, get it home, order the parts, just reassemble, you know, just kind of a basic, basic fresh and not really updating or trying to, trying to do anything special with it, you know? Right now, you guys make some serious power. I saw the other day, you guess you got the urge to qualify number one, huh? And you let it rip. Yeah. Um, you know, I tend to not do it early on. If I see, look at the qualifying, see there's an odd number of cars, or if I see it's a favorable ladder to have a buy at a certain time, and then I'll, you know, I'll kind of make that decision if I think I'm capable of doing it, and then just go ahead and do it. And that was just one of those days I looked at it after the second run, had 93 cars. I said, let's uh, let's see if we can make it happen. You know, worst case scenario, if I would miss number one, if I get number two, I'm still in line for a buy second round. So not not one of those deals where maybe you only have a buy first round and you're missing, and there is no other buy, or you you're not having a buy to the semi. So now, those yeah, not- the GTO is kind of a hard car to make work. I mean, did you did you struggle making it work right away, or did you figure it out pretty quick? Yeah, we, we did struggle with it at first. Not as far as I don't think it didn't really have traction issues for us. It just it didn't you know it didn't work like we thought it would. It wasn't as fast as we thought it would. It should be. Um, you know, obviously we when I first started with it, I took the drivetrain straight out of the Firebird and put it in there. So you you kind of equate, okay, well you're adding this much weight to it. It should run this, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but it wasn't it wasn't uh, anywhere close to what we thought it should have been. Cause they're, so, uh, they're a pretty heavy car, aren't they? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a long wheelbase, and it's a pretty heavy car. The minimum is 3570, and that's the lightest class you can run in E. And uh, the wheelbase is 110 inches, too. So compared really? to the Firebird is 101, maybe? I think. Yeah, I think it's 101 for the Firebird, so quite a bit longer wheelbase. I don't know why I never would have guessed that. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, thought that GTO had a shorter wheelbase but I never knew it was that heavy. That's that's pretty crazy. So it's a natural F car, you're saying, and you moved up to E with it? Correct. Okay. And that's an LS motor, right? LS1? Yep. Or, okay. One. Uh, how about the transmission? What kind and who builds that? Yeah, that's the turbo action. We've been using turbo action for years, and uh, they just have uh, some very quality transmissions, get a lot of runs out of them, very dependable. E shift metric two hundred E shift metric two hundred E shift. <sighs> Jimmy, sorry to disappoint you, Bobby. I'm out. That's the end of the episode today, everybody. Have a have a have a great day. You can just log off, Bobby. The men will stay. I'll log on. off. See you guys. <laughs> the men will stay here and talk LSs. Did you? Uh, what do you run for front suspension? Um, I have I have two sets of shocks. Uh, Randy Mans does all of my shocks with fast shocks. And um, I have a set of Coney's and a set of AFCOs. 
Uh, the Coney's are the ones I started with. And uh, they're kind of my backup set now. And that, that we got the Avcos. We worked on them a few times and got those working pretty good. So uh, I've used both of them. They both work pretty well. The Coney's are only single adjustable. That's why we went to the Avcos. They're double adjustable. I know uh, Billy Gibbs out. Wes was having issues trying to get the, his GTO to work and sent him demands. And I know he said it made a huge difference with that guy knows how to make front ends work. Yeah. He's, he's very good to work with, you know, and if you have issues, you got to send it back. He's uh, good about getting it back to you and, you know, trying to, trying to find the best combination that'll work for your particular car. Now the fuel injection, Jimmy, are you using, I feel like you and I have talked a couple of years ago about this. Do you use the fast system? Yes. All of our cars had the fast system. Uh, we've been using them for probably at least 10 years. I would say maybe a little bit longer than that. <clears throat> and it looks like it's been treating you very well and your car is deadly consistent. Now I, I, I think I asked you years ago when I was setting mine up, if you were in alpha N or the uh, speed density and are you willing to share which one you're in? Yeah, I'm, I'm running an alpha N. A lot of people prefer speed density because it's less, Less tuning generally once you get it right, but um, I, I've tried both. I've run both. I just I just always preferred Alpha N. To me, it's easier to get the car to idle better, make it more drivable. Um, you know, a lot of people just don't like the fact that it doesn't take into account, you know, unless you configure it to do so, which you can. If you spend the time, you can configure it to make fuel adjustments based on air temperature, or it also has a barometric map where you can – configure that to to actually take into account the barometric pressure but generally um i'll make tweaks myself you know if if need be uh, but i mean generally I, we've never run at denver that would be you know you would take somewhere very dramatic to to have a real big change even vegas isn't a isn't a huge adjustment really yeah because i was going to say you i mean you are in louisiana so let's say you're running at bella rose and then you move up to bristol I mean that's a that's a big jump, isn't it? So yeah, it doesn't even in Alpha N. Do you have to mess with the you know the the table or just? I know a lot of people that run Alpha N just mess with fuel pressure a little bit and just raise that or lower it to try and get the air fuel ratio they're looking for. What do you kind of do to uh, what I, works for you? I usually just adjust the map. Um, I mean it. It, sometimes, like I said, it's it's not too often I have to do it. You know, like you said, Bristol sometimes. But I kind of – I'll have a program saved for Bristol is what I'll also do. So sometimes I may just go ahead when I get there and load it in. Um, or if not, I'll just uh, – I'll make the first run, make make the fine-tune adjustments if if needed, and then, you know, it'll be good from there because it's, it's generally very small adjustments. And it's almost – sometimes it's not even much ET-wise, just more to satisfy me to uh, make the air fuel ratio aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> I hear you. So do you run it then in, in closed loop or open loop? I'm running in closed loop right now. I've, I've ran an open loop for years. I really, you know, I don't, I don't really see much difference one way or the other. I just, uh, just closed loop is better. Like if you do go somewhere, that's a good bit different. It'll kind of compensate where 
if you would need to make adjustment, at least if it's in closed loop, it's already made the adjustment for your first run. So you're not, you're not kind of wasting a run. I guess you could say you're probably not going to pick up any ET after you make the adjustment, but you can, uh, it just keeps it a little closer, but I do have it in a very small window of tuning. Like I only allow it to tune 5% each way. So, mm-hmm. so let's say you make that first run and it's correcting, you know, 4%, mm-hmm. making it richer going down the track. So obviously the tune is a little bit too lean. Do you just leave it alone and let it just keep correcting at the 4% or will you go in there and actually enrich it, the table a little bit, 4% yeah. to try and get it to be perfect? Yeah. Usually I would adjust it to make it perfect. But uh, like I said, it's, if if you had tracks in the same area, generally you're not gonna mess with it much. Now, if you you know if you're getting some really really good air beginning or end of the year, whereas you're running 40 50 degree temperatures, then a lot of times you'll be adding fuel to to try to you know make up for that. But uh, generally, if you're in average air, it's it's pretty steady. All right. Well, there you go, folks. I'm giving you pearls here. Fast XFI, Alpha N, closed loop for the time being. And you can go out and win races like Jimmy Hidalgo. Never mind being a good driver or anything like that, right? Just a, just the fuel injection part. <laughs> so do you run the same Let's setup? About the on, other car. Do you run the same setup on your Super Stocker then? <laughs> yes. All right, so same, same setup, you're saying. And... Actually, what the ninety nine Firebird, Brian and Jimmy, remind me is that is that going to be an LS one? Also, is that same motor and everything? Yep, same engine. Oh, it's wonderful. So you can interchange parts if you have to. Then, like, if one car's down for the count, you can, in a pinch, like fix it or take parts off the other car and put it on here. Yeah, well, the Super Stalker is you know it's a true Super Stalker, so really not not a whole lot of transfer over to the other one, but. If I would be in a situation where I, I could put a stocker motor in the super stocker and and get by, so it is good to uh, to have that option. All right, and then the trans again with the uh, the turbo action uh, trans in the uh, super stocker. No, the the super stocker has a pro trans in it. Oh, pro trans. Okay. Yeah. All right, pro trans out of Texas. So you. You're you're spreading the business around a little bit, and then yep. um, for the super stocker, I'm assuming Dad and you uh, do all your own assembly while the machine work gets gets done by the uh, the local fellow down the street. Yep, Don Pellicino. He's uh he's like I said, he's been doing a lot of work. We go to his shop, you know, we work there with him. Um, he does all the machine work. You know, he's got a dyno there, so if we want dyno, we could put it on a dyno there. So uh, it works out really well for us. And uh, he's also got a, a stocker too, so you know he's he's familiar with uh, stock super stock stuff. He's very uh, very meticulous about checking everything, so it just it makes it easier. Even if he checks everything over, we know everything when we putting it back together. We know it's it's perfect. What do you run for a rear suspension on that car? On this with the super stocker, yeah. Uh, it's it's all AFCO shocks around. It's got a four link. Um, it used to be torque on when I still had the small tires on it, but in 2019, I think it was Bristol is the place that, that's where I spun with the small tires. And after I lost the race because of that, I think it was, it might've been quarterfinals or semifinals. And I had the tree, I was double on the tree and just 
I said, after that, I said, this, I'm not doing this anymore. We just, we just got to do it. The call was already mini tub. So it was like, I didn't feel like I was really cutting it up. You know, like my blue fire bird, it could really still be running stock if I wanted to. And I really didn't want to cut it up. So let's, I just said, well, let's, let's just do it. We're going all out. You know, I'm not, I can't lose a race like that again. So, and that's, uh, yeah, it was in 2019. We did that and I uh, debuted it in Bowling Green in 2019 with the big towers you've been on the fence about that if a guy wanted to go super stock but i'm like man that torque arm just works so good like 99 percent of the time if the, it's not going to spin and if it does it's probably something i did but start making more power it's definitely an issue yeah and i mean I, I did very well with it i mean in 2014 i started running super stock and um i mean i probably could have did some things that that would have helped you know it, it, the car the way it's set up has a lot of bottom end. So really, if you would have played around with it, gear ratios, you know, I'm sure you could could have gotten it better, but I just, you know, I'm trying to go all out with it. You know, I want it to be, I want it to be bulletproof. I want it to be as fast as it could be. So that's the the best way I felt at that time and the best insurance for, for making sure it doesn't spin, but yes, they do work very well. And I had a lot of success from all the way from 2014, 2019, you know, it was just, a couple of times that I got, uh, I lost some big races because of it. So after a few times, I just, I just had enough. What do you run for? Whose converter do you run? Um, ATI. We, I mean, we have several converters. We have ATI, Cone, and uh, Turbo Action as well. Which car do you like driving better? Uh, probably the Firebird, I guess. I don't know. The GTO is pretty fun too. You know, according to Drag Insights, you have a better average reaction time in your GTO. So I thought you were going to say the GTO. <laughs> I think you have well more wins in the GTO too, right? But you've been racing it longer, so that's not a fair assessment. Yeah, yeah, I've been racing it since thirteen, and uh, I was kind of when I first started in fourteen. I don't think I really ran a full schedule with Superstock then. But then starting like 15, and so I was uh, pretty much all in with it at that point. No, I just I have a question about the GTO because the 04 GTO, they, they made those cars from like 04 to 06, I think. Didn't they come with independent rear suspensions? Yes, they do. They come with independent, which a lot of, you know, a lot of newer cars, that's what they come with, all the Camaros, Corvettes. Now you're allowed to take that out, right? Yes, you can you can convert it to solid rear axle, which even I know like uh the late Sammy Pizzolata, his Corvette was one of the first ones I think that that it was converted and I was not sure the exact year, maybe a 69 model, 70 model Corvette. Okay, and then you can replace that with what do most people put in there like a GM 12 bolt rear? Yeah, it, for the GTO, it has to have the uh, the GM rear end, so it, it is a 12-bolt. Right, because in stock, you have to stay corporate with the rear. Super stock, you can run whatever rear you want. So in super stock, do you run a GM or do you run a Ford 9-inch? Yeah, the, the super stocker has a 9-inch. Okay. When we See, all hate on Fords, but you all love that Ford 9-inch in super stock, right? When we purchased it, it had uh, a nine inch in it, 
already. And then when we ended up tubbing it, we you know we we stayed with the nine inch because it was already all set up. So there's definitely an advantage if a guy wanted to do gear changes to that thing. That's the one good thing Ford's come up with. Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of gear changes, story from Bristol, which I didn't I didn't end up winning in Bristol. I had a I was doing pretty well. I made it to fourth round in both cars, and then kind of kind of fell out in both. But um, after first round, um, I had Brian O'Toole first round, and uh, luckily for me, he uh, he was I don't remember exactly who he was, but he was a little bit red. And uh, when I launched, it broke the the ring and pinion, and I knew it knew it immediately. So I got back to the pits and started tearing it down. And my dad was still up. He hadn't ran yet. I don't know if you remember if y'all talked about having to rerun a few pairs over there because of a, a it, I think it was three pairs. The cars weren't even moving and it went, they made them go in deep stage and red lighted them. So uh, they ended up rerunning him. So he wasn't there. I wasn't there to, to be there for the, you know, the situation with him on the start line. And then I was back there tearing it down, trying to get prepared for round two. And uh, my uncle Phil, he was there with us and uh, his brother, Georgie, he was there uh, to help us too. But by the time uh, they got back, I kind of had it where pretty much had everything out. And before I even went up for first round of super stock, I had it back together. So that was uh, definitely the fastest I've ever changed the rear end. But luckily, uh, my uncle Phil was there. So by the time I had it out, he uh, I had the other gear out the box, and he was uh, checking the setup on it. And we we put it all in and checked it, and everything was was close enough to send it. You know, we didn't we weren't looking to uh, to have it perfect, but we definitely had it close enough. We would we would be good, and if everything worked out, impressive, man. Is that so is that rear still in there, or did you have to mess with it since then? No, it's still in there. Great, great job. <laughs> before you even had, before you even went up for super stock, that is, uh, could use, I could use someone like you on the crew over here. I mean, we pay in hot dogs though, <laughs> and the occasional steak if we win. So you don't, you don't get too much steak. I'm just letting you know. Hope you like hot dogs. <laughs> that was a cool story so jimmy uh before you even got into race jimmy how old are you first of all 34 34 you still are the country puppy then compared to brian and i but um did you play any sports growing up yeah i played uh baseball pretty much my whole life never really played football uh played a little bit basketball and when i got in high school uh, I did make the baseball team, so I ended up starting golf. Actually, I had never played golf in my whole life, and then in high school, started with it with the golf team. Played for a few years and enjoyed that. Have you ever golfed against uh, Double O Joe? No. I think you could take him. <laughs> I wish it set it up. We should set up a, a tournament. So is it true you have a fear of dogs? No. Actually, I don't really don't really care for dogs a whole lot as as far as the animal. I don't know, just like big dogs. 
I, I actually have a a Yorking, so I'm kind of kind of okay with small dogs. But I just uh, when I was a kid, actually, my uh, grandfather had a dog, and I wouldn't say it really attacked me. He just kind of like jumped on me, and I think I fell to the ground or something. So kind of always just never really. A little, I guess there's a little irony there that not, don't really care for dogs and. But I guess dogs are kind of territorial too, so maybe that's that's something there. Well, I see Stan Sheila Holt posted that, but I misread it. The country dog is scared to death of dogs. The country puppy. Dad. <laughs> All right. Yeah. He's definitely definitely worse than me. He really doesn't like dogs. He, he did actually get uh, bitten by a dog when he was young, and he had to uh, get a tetanus shot. I think so. I kind I think he kind of got scored from that. Ah, oh, fitting that his name is the country dog. Amazing. Jimmy, I'm surprised you're even spending time with us right now. How come you're not on the uh, road to Vegas? Well, my uncle, uh, he's driving the rig up there for us. So uh, we got we got pretty lucky. He's, you know, he's always there to help us and glad everything worked out where I could get back and work a few days. And uh, I'm going to fly up there tomorrow. All right. So according to my notes here you are seventh in the world in stock you have 536 points and you've claimed four nationals and seven divisionals so you can hit the remaining two national events if you want and one more divisional and then in super stock you are fifth 570 points and you've claimed four nationals and seven divisionals so same scenario you, you have two more nationals you can run and one more divisional are you planning on doing all that you're running vegas and pomona no, not planning on Pomona, but you know, we'll, we'll just focus on one race at a time right now. So, if uh, if we do well enough, if need be, that you know, we would, I guess, we would entertain it at that time. But just try to keep keep focus on the first first task at hand, and kind of kind of been my approach all season, really. You know, kind of had kind of had some bad luck, I guess, at the beginning of the season. A lot of close races. Sometimes, you know, they just they don't go your way, or making mis- little small mistakes on your own that, you know, a few thousands red or giving a strike back a few thousands, you know, kind of bite you. And, you know, I really, I really don't look at points much. Um, you know, I just try to go in week to week approach, you know, you know, I, every time I go out, I try to win. I don't really try to worry about, Oh, I need this many points to, to move here or whatever. You know, I just let the points fall where they may and just go out and try to win every time I go. Are you blocker or no block? No block. Foot breaking and no blocking. And foot. super stock too? Yep. I do I do have a trans break in the car, but I'm still I'm still foot breaking it. Nice. All right. I'll let you have the E shift then. <laughs> what what's your favorite track? Um I would say probably Bristol and Vegas, really, both of them always just seem to have pretty good success at both of them. You know, the scenery is anybody that's been there knows the scenery at both of them is beautiful. Slightly different, you know, you got less less greenery in Vegas, but and a lot more greenery in Bristol. But, you know, just the mountains being from the south, you know, not really something you see around here. So it's uh, just, just the views there and uh, always had good success at both. Do you... Uh... So you get over to Vegas. That's kind of in the middle there of your territory. Is there somebody from the West Coast that you want to line up to or don't want to line up to? Is do you have an arch nemesis from the West Coast there? No, not really. Um, I don't really think about 
any arch nemesis or anything that, you know, I just just try to focus on whoever's my opponent that round, you know. Um, I don't really worry too much, you know, about running whatever name you want to throw out there. You know, I just try to do my thing. That's all you can do is control what you do. So I just focus on that and do the best I can. You know, you can't control what they do. And sometimes, you know, running somebody better, you know, you know they're going to be solid. So you just you just got to do the best you can. And hopefully it works out your way. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of truth to that. Like, I like that as being a, a nobody. Like, you know, when I went to St. Louis, I had nothing to prove. I figured I'd be sitting on the trailer after round one. So you're kind of the most deadly guy on the track when you have nothing to lose. It's the guy that's always in the final that has to be perfect every time. Yeah, and that's the situation I'm in now coming from behind chasing points you know i'm still i don't really feel that much pressure you know there's no pressure i'm not i'm chasing you know i'm not the guy sitting in the lead getting nervous like oh man he's he's making points so i got two or three guys under me you know i gotta make sure i'm i'm making rounds you know I, i've got nothing to lose right now you know i'm just going out there trying to win every round bobby would say that would play into a slow car mentality where when you're the slow car you're getting chased you're just waiting for him to pass you but I wouldn't bring a slow car to Vegas, that's for sure. How do you deal with that wind out there, Jimmy? That doesn't seem to affect you and and dialing the car. I've heard it's been it's really challenging out there. I've only been there to spectate. I've never raced on it. Yeah, it, it's definitely challenging. Um, I mean, my cars are fairly aerodynamic, so it's not you know as crucial. If I'm running against a Chevy, a '66 Chevy two, you know, I'm probably gonna take a note of his dial and you know take that into consideration. If he's thinking though, it's four slower because of the wind i'm probably not gonna be as slow as he is so just kind of keep that mentality and don't worry too much about it you know you just got to kind of it just it's hard to trust your car you know i just generally in times like that i, I try to trust my driving more than the car so i mean driving is very trustworthy uh so you hear that stan sheila and j-rod if he matches up against you in vegas <laughs> you're your non-aerodynamic cars are at a severe disadvantage against Jimmy Hidalgo. Well, they're uh, they're pretty uh, keen on on Chevy too, so they they're pretty well seasoned with them. And uh, I think you know D-Rod knows how to dial them in, and uh, he knows the weather makes a big difference on them for sure. The wind, yeah, that he does. And those cars run great. I'm waiting for one of them to let me drive one of those cars. <clears throat> so, uh, Jimmy. Dude, uh, thanks for joining us today. You have anybody that you want to thank for your continued success? Yeah, um, Goodyear, um, VP Racing Fuels, Fast Shocks, Accelerated Graphics, uh, Bullet Racing Cams, uh, Don Pellicino does our machine work, um, Engines Inc., Mr. Lloyd Walford, he's always... Uh, Helping us out. He's always a pleasure to be with at the races and hang out with. And just a great guy. Uh, Stan and Sheila Holt, they're always fun to hang out with. And they're always there for uh, f- to support us as well. So just really appreciate all those guys, you know, backing us. And uh, just makes, makes it a little easier and good to have good people in your circle. Do you have a favorite Tex-Mex res- restaurant? Hex-Mex? Not really. Not really. Uh, Sheila's going to give really. you a lashing. Huh? Other than uh, Lupe Tortilla. There we go. Course. 
Not really. Uh, not really. Going on the bayou, man. They got some uh, some great margaritas and some great food. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I was hoping to come out to Vegas. I thought they were on the list, and obviously you're on the list. And I was looking forward to seeing you guys. And I will not be making it out there. And I was supposed to go out to Pomona, but you're unsure if you're going there. And I was going to drive a Super Stalker there, but the car has been sold. I am no longer driving it, and I withdrew from the event. So the rest of my season looks pretty boring. Uh, but good luck to you, Jimmy, out there in Vegas. And uh, wish you success and a safe trip, obviously. And um, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Bobby. Brian, where's your... Uh, <clears throat> have you been keeping tabs on your engine through this process of love? No, uh, <laughs> you're new to this. I'm planning on not even seeing it. Oh, it's uh, it's not like Christmas Day, like where you just anticipate the day that shows mm-hmm. up. It it's like plus or minus three months. So I'm kind of doing out of sight, out of mind. So I know you're just trying to stay busy doing other things. I know it's in good hands, and so now I'm just trying to work so I can pay for it. So <laughs> fantastic. Any listeners out there that want to help sponsor a, a poor farm kid in South Dakota, uh-huh. we're taking applications. <laughs> nice. This is Class Racing Today. Thanks, Bobby and Brian, for sitting down again. Thank you, Jimmy, for taking time out of your day. ClassRacingToday.com, ClassRacingToday at gmail.com. Thanks again to Tim Stickles for your support of Class Racing Today. If you'd like a t-shirt or sticker, ClassRacingToday at gmail.com. Send us a note, and we can get that out to you. If you want to help support the show, you can also send us an email there. We appreciate all your support and all of the listeners out there. Share this out to all your friends uh, and other racers around the country. Let's, uh, let's build this community even bigger. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great night or day. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs>